ATV Talk, the podcast presents Inspired. Sit down with your host, Leonard Duncan, as he interviews men and women whose stories are so inspirational that they need to be shared. Hopefully, their stories may inspire you and create a change. Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years, with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports Tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. Mike Penland, how are you tonight? Good, good. I'm fine, and you? I'm doing great. This is our third meeting. So this Uh is going to be episode three. And um, I just uh, have enjoyed our time so much that uh, I really... I really think that you have a great story to tell and I want, and I want everyone to hear it. So that's why I'm doing it. And uh, what we're going to talk about today is we've talked so much about your woods career and so much about you riding for Kawasaki all those years. And we're going to talk about score. And I want you to Tell everybody how you found SCORE and then let you lead into the one of the main topics of our story, okay? Okay. So yeah. have at it. <laughs> I was uh, 42 when I did my first Baja. This is 1,000. It's, it's, it was uh, 1995. And that that was the longest one in history. It, it it was, I think, don't hold me to 11, like 1,185 miles. It, it started in Tijuana instead of uh, Ensenada. They okay. were, uh, most people don't know, I didn't know, that, that, that Ensenada County is the biggest county in Mexico. And apparently there is a little something going on because we didn't go through Ensenada County. The race didn't. We went. Uh, I can't think of the words up up there, up high, and and uh, then we went over against the 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 coast, uh, the east coast, and down through uh, San Felipe and all that. So we didn't get into to uh, that county. So you went into the summit, and then the down to San Felipe. That, yeah, that's I, was trying, I couldn't think of the summit. Yeah, we did all that, and the. Of course, I was on the machine, so I didn't have any problem. But people that were tra- traveling on the highway, uh, they were having some issues. The the law was giving them a hard time. Some of them <laughs> they didn't pick, they didn't pick out anybody, but because they were going through their county, and 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 Lenny, you know, like I do, the the millions and millions of dollars that's taken in to Baja. When, when that race goes on and it's left there, you know, all right. the gas stations and motels and restaurants and, you know, 
all that stuff, repair shops, tires. Yeah, just lots of it. Well, you know, as a, as a boy, you know, I've heard of the Baja 1000, the Baja 1000, the Baja 1000, and, and how hard and tough it is and and uh, how few people finish the start. And that's just a, a dream. I, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but but to and I, I know I'm sacking everybody up in one place, but people in California and, and Arizona and stuff, Baja is a local race virtually. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's a local race. And for us people, I'm in Georgia and all, all the people out east, man, it's just a dream, just a unbelievable thing, you know, just a fantasy. And uh I, I just I, I just wanted to do it. And uh you couldn't fool with any of that, but what you heard about Ricky Stater. So I called Ricky Stater and told him who it was, and I'm sure he didn't know me. But uh, I said, I want to talk about doing the race, the mile 1000. He, he said, you need to call Greg Rowe. And I called Greg, and he tuned me into a little bit what to do. And, and uh, <laughs> so, so we, uh, we went there. We went to Baja and uh, got down in Mexico. You know, it was the first time I've ever seen a desert, you know. And uh, it, it was uh, crossed in at, at uh, uh, I guess it was Mexicali. And, and, and when we pulled in to the, the country, it, it just changed. It went from pavement and cement and stuff to dirt and, and <laughs> there's there's little children there's little children playing there you know there, there's a, a, a little little boy and, and, and a girl and the girl's got a dress on and they're barefoot and their feet and ankles are so dirty and they're having a big time the little dogs barking and jumping at them and and they're just screaming and hollering and just having a big time and here's a boy over here with a with a with a rim kind of a thing and a stick and, and it is just like kind of like stuff when I was a boy and it was another world and and the the hackles on the back of my head and and my my back and arms it's it's all standing up you know it's so exciting and so neat and uh Anyway, we, we were going down Highway 5, and uh, we're, I don't even know how I knew, but we pulled at kilometers such and such, you know, kind of like mile markers, but they're kilometer markers. And we got on this, uh, we're going to this dry lake, uh, and I met a fella named Andy Blue by accident, and uh, we're just talking, and, and he's on a motorcycle, and one of the no you know, if, if we could go together, if, you know, to, to, uh, San, San Felipe. And, uh, so we take off and, uh, first, you know, we get to, uh, I call it the Borrego crossing where, where highway three goes back to, if you remember trace posts, uh, three posts, it's where it goes back to, to, uh, Ensenada and, and, uh, Something had went on, and, and uh, 
I I don't remember if I left later what, but I found something, and and I carried it there, and he was there, and and it was his, and he said, "You want to go on?" I said, "Yeah." We we started out, and we, we got in these whoops, and they were just miles and miles and miles of whoops, and it, uh, you know, I'm just going along the best I can on the on the Wolverine, and all of a sudden, the the back shock blew is a works performance shock <laughs> and it blew the, and the back of the bike, you know, just falls to the ground and the tires rubbing it, the bottom of the fender stuff. And Lenny, there, there was oil just squirted out, you know, more than the, any shotgun and everywhere that oil touched smokes coming up. You know, the, the, the shock was, the oil was so hot that it, it was, it was boiling. And, uh, so anyway, I uh, he said, so much further is the zoo road. Anybody that does much knows the zoo road. Yep. And he said, when you hit it, turn left, and it'll take you to Highway 3, uh, 5, excuse me, Highway 5. And uh, so he went on. He said, I'll go on and, and get up with people. And I'm going, oh, just barely crawling to keep tearing the bike up and uh we met up and, and i was pointed and they said what do you want to do i said what do you mean andy andy blue says you can come to my house and stay and leave tomorrow whatever you want to do i said i, I think i'd just soon go back to america I said you're welcome to and i asked the crew what they want to do they said they'd rather stay so because of that me and Andy got to be big friends and have been since 95. And he's been on the my Baja team. That's awesome. What did you do with the shock? I had stock shock. Uh, put the stock one on it. What else can you do? And you didn't stay down in San Felipe? Yeah. Went, we we, we stayed in San Felipe. Yeah. Okay. In fact... I'm thinking about it. I probably had the stock shock in the in in uh, the van, and probably just put it on and pre-run some more the next day. And uh, but we used stock shock. Did it go all the way down to Cabo? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's and uh, finished. A lot of stock stuff's hard to beat, but you know, you it's made it's made to last forever. Right. Right. Did you I finish didn't say that year? Huh? Did you finish the race that year? Oh, we won. No, oh, there you go. That's even better than just finishing, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we won the first four Baja 1000s we ran. And uh, I remember we're in La Paz, and there's a man crying. And and I thought, well, you know, you know people get hurt and get killed in the Baja. And, and but I listened, it didn't sound right. Uh, and, and I found out that he'd been racing it for like 19 years. This is the first time he finished. He was so happy. He was nice. crying. Yeah. And the Lord blessed us. The first four we done, we won them. So and, and, and hooked you into a and hooked you into Baja and you, you, you were bitten by the Baja bug. Yeah, it's as you know, it's a, it's a different world down there. 
and it's you know you hear all these horror stories uh uh about you know this happens in mexico and that i i, I don't drink I, i've never drank a beer in my life I, and so i don't go to beer joints i i don't i don't i don't fool with floozies so i don't go around that kind of stuff right and, and so if if you don't if you're not there at three o'clock in the morning it's some beer joint with with hookers you know your chances of being in a in a fight or your chances of you know being around people to get robbed and stuff are cut way down so uh oh yeah oh yeah so anyway that i i like mexico it's the people especially if you got the one wristband on the the uh the 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 pilot the the rider record one yeah right and or even the other ones man you walk on water they they uh think you're great and and I will interject here. If you ever walk down the streets of Ensenada, like a couple of days before or contingency with him in his hat and mustache, people are like, Senior Pinlin, Senior Pinlin, Senior Pinlin. Like they'll run down the streets after him because they recognize him so much. That's awesome. Uh, I, I gotta I gotta tell you something. Uh well, we're there in their country. And 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 I'm gonna tell you a lot of people, Americans ain't nice. They're not nice. And the Mexican people, the ones I've been around are always nice. Well, we're going through contingency and and we're pushing the bike most of the time. I I'm sitting on it and they push me, the, the team, or one of them sitting on it, and we push it. And behind the, you know. Course they weren't that expensive then, you know, a half a million dollar trophy truck, and there's a there's a class 10 buggy in front of you, and there's a you know somebody else on a on a big time motorcycle, and they're they're all there. And and I and the people that you're just they're just all around, they're the <laughs> you're bumping elbows and shoulders, and you know, and it it's it's all good, there's no problems. Well, I, I noticed. Uh, well, let me back up. Somebody came up, you know, you're signing autographs by, for hours. Well, the, uh, I've, I've seen somebody, uh, a youngster go up to one of the trophy trucks, not with the trophy truck driver, mind you, but went up to one of the trophy trucks and handed them a, a thing to autograph and, and they just get away. And it killed me. It killed me. So I, I'm there. I'm there, and uh, these uh, I, I see it like a mom and or dad right there, and and, and a child's here. Well, the, these people are walking this way, and these people are walking this way, and it's back and forth, and the, and the child goes to walk between me and the bike and and the mom and dad, and they can't. And then finally, they they get there, they turn and look at the mom and dad. They make a picture. And yeah. I watched this a couple of times. And well, I went up and I grabbed one of them. And you know, at first I picked them up and set them on the bike. And they they didn't know what to think. You know, the mom and dad are they got these looks, and the and the child has this look, 
And then I just step aside and they, they calm down and they go to make a picture. And almost, I mean, I, I did it. I can't tell you how many times over the years that they, they'll, they'll motion you. They want you in the picture too. And, you know, I've, I've watched the children grow up because year after year, uh, you know, it's, it's grannies and grandpas, it's moms and dads. It, it's, it's, you know, a 15 year old boyfriend and girlfriend, 16 year old, 20 year old. They're, they're just, they would kind of look me up to be able to sit on a race machine uh, and, and get the picture made. I remember one time there was a fellow there and, and he said, and you know what I'm talking about, Lenny, just thousands and thousands of people. I, I know. And, and, and uh, he says, don't let anybody touch this. And I said, what do you mean touch it? And he like put his hands on it and said, touch it. I said, do you know what this bike's going to look like in 24 hours? <laughs> and, and, and so I, I just, I didn't help him. I just walked away. Uh, so if, if, if one of them Mexican people touching that machine is going to tear it up, it wasn't going to make it no way. Exactly. And, and, and but those, those people, they're just loving and kind and, and they're just trying to, you know, it's hard to believe that they turn school out for them children stand in front of the school and you blow past them as fast as you can go. Mm -hmm. uh, and what he's not telling you is that also, because the kids is a soft spot for him. We, like the times I've gone and he, I'll get the stuff for him some other times too. There are suitcases that we take that are full of nothing but American candy. You take American candy and stickers. And I mean, that's yep. like, you may as well be throwing $100 bills out the window. Like we go through the chase trucks and some of the time the, the kids and everybody just comes running out and you just roll that window down and just throw stickers out and they love it. We took Frisbees oh. one year. Yeah. What? We took Frisbees and we're giving Frisbees out one year. Really? Yep. And uh, decals and, and, and I, I don't know if you guys know this. My wife is from Guadalajara. No. Yeah. No, I didn't so, my wife from Guadalajara, uh, the two young ladies that are, that are my daughters are one has an advertising agency in Guadalajara that pr helps promote ATV talk. And the other one lives here with us and does all of our editing and editing and everything. So, uh, Mexico is near and dear to my heart. Oh, so, see, see. And, and, uh, yeah, I've forgotten because I got on that. But if I remember, they call candy Camilla. And and when you start passing out candy, it's like stickers or or posters to autograph. You're just you're just just covered up with people. They just come from everywhere. Uh, and and what we had to do because people behind us would get mad because they wanted. To move down the line, you know, to, to be inspected, my brother, most of the time, you know, we'd have, you know, a thousand posters or something. And and uh, he would stand back. He'd give me 30 of them. And, and 
he'd stand back and I'd autograph them and then they're gone, you know. And then the some of the crowd would move away a little bit and we'd push the bike up 10 feet and then he'd hand me 25, 30 more and here they come again. And, and you do all that. But then stickers too. The people, all the team always want to know how many, how much money to carry with them. You know, and I said, well, everything's got to be ones and fives, maybe a 10, but you don't want 20s or big money because, you know, a, a little bit of money can go a long ways. And I said, take some stickers because so many people are there have stickers as money. And, you know, you go to a gas station and of course down there, they pump your gas and, and, and you tell them how much and they pump it and, and they come over. You have sticker for me? You know, and you go in a restaurant and you order your food. You have sticker for me, you know, and 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 you just give them out by the thousands. I mean, thousands. And, and like, they, you take them in big rolls. Like they're not even cut. Just like big rolls. Well, sometimes that, but they they just love them. And it, Lenny, I think it's a big deal to be so satisfied with so little. Well, yeah, it's just. I'll, I'll tell you a little story. We were at a junction down in Dakar in South America on my first year. Huh? And first year? The first year. How many times you been? I've been three. Ah, what a booger. And, and uh, we're at this junction point and we're waiting for the machine and we're having tire issues. Um, you know, I told you the story about tire balls and all that last episode. So we're having some tire issues. So we have a set of tires for the machine and we're standing there waiting. And when the machine pulled in, we swapped the tires and we gave Raphael some water and he wanted to talk a minute before he got on the bike again, because he'd been on the thing all day. Uh uh, A family approached and Raphael, the team, the whole team, they wanted pictures. They didn't care if you were a mechanic whatever you were, if you were wearing one of those team shirts, they wanted a photo with you. And I remember this family, they spoke English and they were just so enthralled with just being that we would let them take a picture. And there was, there wasn't a big crowd. It was just a couple people and they took a picture with us and they were so ecstatic. And, you know, and I'm just thinking that is the greatest thing because they'll probably have that photo Forever. They don't know who we are, where we live, where we're from, but they'll have that photo forever. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So, Sarah, um, when was your first trip down to Baja? Oh, goodness. Um, what was it like? Nine? It was like the Christmas after you oh. did it the first time. We went down there because um, Andy Blue, uh, he has a place down in San Felipe. And for Christmas, dad took us down there and we drove. And so, like, we're driving, you know, we're crossing the border and driving through. And so we basically road tripped as a family down through Mexico to San Felipe and then spent Christmas there. And I'm kind of the same. It's I've always just loved it. People think I'm weird. I love Mexico. I love the people. I, I up and moved to Mazatlan and lived there for a while. And I've gone with dad 
a couple races. Uh, what was it? 12 and 18 that did the races. And then like 17, we just went to spectate or none of those 16, you know, but any chance I, I get to get down there, I, I'm there. Are, are, do you speak Spanish? Un poquito. <laughs> I got really good at it when I lived there. And that's probably the biggest thing I kicked myself in the butt for is that when I got back to the States, I didn't keep it up because you don't really walk around speaking Spanish to people. So I, I can also, I can understand a lot more than I can properly say. Well, I can't speak any. And, and your wife's from Guadalajara. And Spanglish is a huge portion of our, of our dialect. Yeah. And uh, my wife speaks to me uh, a lot in Spanish and I can understand her. Um, I don't always understand the exact words, but I understand the conversation. Yeah. And yeah. Um, we were having a Spanish English conversation one day at a, at a family party. One of the first ones I was ever at. And um, I'm, she's sitting on my lap and we, we went on for about 10 minutes this way. And she got up to go play with the kids and her sisters, they're picking their jaws up off the table and they go, you understand Spanish? And I go, no, I understand her. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that kind of set the tone because when they talk, you can't keep up. I mean, it's so fast. A lot of them. Yeah. yeah. So fast. Yeah. And you know what? We're doing an injustice here. Uh, we need to let everybody know, Sarah, who Sarah is. Sarah is Mike's daughter. It's Sarah Penwin. And she is, she is a very large part of this episode for the subject that we'll be talking about in, in Baja. And, and I just want to make sure that when she chimes in, everybody, you, you, you got her, uh, you got to give her a big pat on the back because she's taking care of this great man and uh, making sure that all this happens on her end, as far as connecting us in the zoom meeting and, yep. and making sure that the audio and video works. So thank you very much. Sarah. We, uh, we went as a family to, to Mexico for Christmas of 96. So that was after the second Baja. Really? Yeah. yeah. So you really had the bug if you were, if you were going uh, back down for, for, um, Christmas right after, you know, yeah, right uh, after the thousands in November, and you yeah. came home and then turned around and drove back. Yes, yes, uh, drove again. Yeah, they, as we went down uh, through Tijuana, uh, I've, Rosarito, maybe yep. Rosarito. Yep. There, there's a ship, and it had four stacks. I said, "Wow, the only ship I know with four stacks is the Titanic." <laughs> and, and and it it had it had cuts on it, you know. And I thought, wow, that's weird. And came back, and and the it was broke open where they had been cut with torch. And uh, then a few months later, the movie Titanic came out, and so much of it was filmed there. Right. And the Americans there on vacation were uh, extras. And uh, but yeah, so that that. A lot of that was made in in Baja, California. Yeah, well, you know the Pirates I of the see. Caribbean? Okay. That was filmed, filmed down there in Rosarita? Okay. You know, the pirate ship, one of the pirate ships was there uh, as a set, and you, when you would drive down, you would see it on the side of the, 
on the side of the water there, you know, because they had a yeah, highway one. Yeah. Yeah. Big studio down there. Yeah. Did you guys always drive into TJ and then drive down and cut across? I have went in at, at uh, Mexicali. Mexicali, but but I don't because of my friends and 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 stuff in San Diego. Right. I go there and then go down through TJ. Yeah. Okay. And, you head out through Mexicali and yeah. uh, Picati. Yeah, you got to get to the Mexicali crossing early or you're going to sit in line forever. Ah. What do you think we do at TJ? Uh, well, yeah, that's why you go to, um, why am I forgetting the name of the crossing? But they're one in the middle. They're Ticati? up on the mountain, Takati. You go to Takati because it's always quick. Well, it's quicker. The, in uh, 18. Oh, yeah. In, in 18, she flew in and and then she was going to, I was going to take her to the San Diego airport and she's going to fly out and I was going to drive on back. And that was that, that day was when them people were having that set in or whatever you want to call it, that it marched up. The caravan of yeah. the right. people. And right. uh, yeah. so we went to, uh, to Cotty and, and I believe it was four hours there before we could get across. I really know it was. And by then, I couldn't get her to the airport time to get the plane. So, so did you end up driving home with him? Yeah. Road tripping. All right. Well, my wife and I, uh, this is before we got married. Or, no, we might have been married. I don't remember. We sat in line for seven hours. Yeah. Well, well, we both have the ready line pass. Okay. And I didn't realize I had the ready line pass. So we got in the slow lane. Oh, the guy that, that, that checked us at the border said, yeah, my shift's just ending. And I go, how long you been on for? And he goes seven hours. And I go, yeah, well you were coming on when we got in line. <laughs> he started laughing at us and he goes, why didn't you take the ready line? That's when I found out I had a ready line pass. Yeah. It's faster. Yeah. yeah. Not, not, the smartest, not the sharpest tool in the shed here. The, the Mexican people are so friendly and such good drivers. A lot of people think not, but they're good or they're dead. And, and they're very helpful till you get in that line to go to America. Right. Buddy boy, they're ruthless. Oh, they're yeah. They're ruthless. <laughs> yeah. You better be on one, your toes. I had one that, that cut across, and, and I, my truck's an F-650 four-door. Uh, and I've got a 30-something foot, 33-foot or whatever it is, gooseneck trailer. And, and it's kind of hard to move quick and stuff. So I'm there, and they cut in, and they rub my front bumper. And uh, they called, uh, you know, the, the American border crossing people, whatever they are. They're always walking around. They got dogs and stuff sniffing around. Uh-huh. And, and she, she called one of them over. Uh, about where she rubbed my bumper. Right. It, it was kind of like that. What happens in Mexico stays in Mexico. You know. Yeah, they didn't say nothing. Nothing. Not a thing. Right. Because I hadn't done They already knew. They already knew. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, okay. What what do we what do we want to talk about? The uh... so you switched from the Yamahas to the Can Ams. What year? 
No, not Yamas. Uh, I mean, Kawasaki's. Sorry. Yeah. I don't want to. Okay. I'm looking at your blue shirt and I'm thinking Yamaha. Okay. The, I started with Kawasaki in 97. And, and what had happened is I'd raced the, the 350 Wolverine and, and won three national championships with that. And in 96, unbeknownst to me, Mickey Dunlap was, was hot rodding. Uh, my, my Yamaha's making big board kits and stroker kits right. and stuff for it. And he had talked to Cal. And he was talking to Cal about doing Baja. And it was late in 96, didn't have time. But they decided that we would do something in 97. Right. So I, I raced the Yamaha again in 96 and then Baja we won. And then 97 starts and, and Mickey gets a 400 Prairie. That's, that was the top dog. And he made it into 500. And, and okay. I, I, and he, and he helped a bunch of other people. He had a team. Uh, I can't mow hobbies and maybe Lakotas. I, I can't think of all of them, but he, he, he hot rodded them and they were racing, doing good. And, and I won the GNCC national championship again. And, uh, but they, uh, I used the Yamaha again. And that, I don't know exactly why, but, but I didn't use the cow and, and Baja. And uh, I was with Kawasaki and they were so good to me. They were, it was great. I enjoyed the, the time and, and the people had a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, I was with them until December 31 of 2004. That's when I got my last check and, and that they had stopped. They, they stopped ATV racing. Right. And that's why I'm, I was out of a job. And uh, then, uh, you know, I, I was there. I, I, I got pre-production 650s. And, and uh, then uh, the V-Force came out. The two-wheel drive one. Yep. And it, it was 700. And I got a bunch of them parts. And what I did, I, I say I made the first 700 Prairie ever made because I took a 650 part and I took a 700 V-Force and mixed and matched and, and made 700 Prairie. And uh, it, it, was, it was good. And uh, then not too long after that, Kawasaki came out with it. And then uh, the uh, I raced a couple of years with the, the 650 and they were red. And I remember talking to a big wheel and I said, I said, we're racing Kawasaki's. I said, and, and I raced these red Kawasaki's and people think I'm on Hondas. I said, I want Kawasaki green ones. And uh, some of them just, Pooped you know they didn't. And this one real big wheel, he said, okay. And it wasn't long. I had green fenders, <laughs> uh, the lime green ones, and 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 I got hooked up with them. They would make me like a hundred sets at a time, and I would sell them because it's helping them, right? And 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 
Lenny, I saw them all over the world. The, yeah, the tenders. What's that? It was rare. Oh, you yeah. Get that. Yeah. yeah. And because I was the only one who had them or who I sold them to. And uh, I wanted them to uh, give me an, ex an exclusive on it. And they wouldn't do it. In another <laughs> year or so, they, they started producing lime green or Kawasaki green, whatever you want to call it. But, you uh, ride for Kawasaki for one year. Yeah. And, and uh, we, we raced uh, the V-Force. And right. I had on Highway 3 a good level place just before the Arago crossing. And, and we had five satellites tracking us. So it wasn't the speedometer, you know. And uh, it went 97 miles an hour. And Kawasaki said it's probably the fastest V-Force there is. And uh, we were doing good. We were, you know, I, I started and I just felt good and was, was going along and handed it off. And it, I think it got handed off again. Well, anyway, we started having problems. And what happened uh, in that movie, Dust the Glory, uh, there's a picture of our machine. And, and just anybody that knows Dust the Glory, if they know the go trail, there's a yellow dune buggy on the go trail and it's on fire and they're putting it out with dirt. Well, anyway, our machine, we're going along and the, and the boy is riding it and he feels his, the gas cap, if you remember, is in the back. Yep. His back's getting cold. Uh, not, you know, not freezing cold, but something's going on. And about the time he figured out what it was, he chopped the throttle and it backfired. When it did, it caught on fire. So he's slowing down. He gets slow enough. And he bails off. And the machine's on fire. It burnt the fenders a little bit and burnt the seat. And, and he's throwing dirt on it. And, and he gets it put out. He can't find the gas cap. You know, it's back yonder somewhere. And uh, so in the movie, somebody took a, a aluminum can and cut it and put it on. And it, it didn't fit tight. And uh, in the movie, they said, we think he finished because we didn't see him again or something like that. But what had happened is the bike could go a long ways and then the carburetors would plug up with the silt. Me and you know what silt is. Maybe some of the listeners don't, but it's it's like women's face powder, but it's dirt. It's horrible. It's stuff. so fine. And and it went through the filters in the tank and and the and the all that stuff that had little filters on the carburetor. And and it was plugging them up. So the riders have to stop and 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 drain the snot and boogers out of the carburetor put the bowls back on and, and go. And we ran out of time, we ran out of time. And so, it's so like sad. That wasn't the easiest thing to work on either. No, 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 no. Uh, and then uh, we, we had, uh, we, we did the, the brute force. It's that's the 754 wheel drive. And uh, we were doing good. And uh, I told them, I hadn't invented something yet, and that invention was was a PCV valve. The Kawasaki, if, if you got it out, most of the, the V-twins, if you got them out somewhere, like on a gravel road just wide open for several miles, they would pump uh, oil out of the, the crankcase 
into the air box. And then if you kept going, it'd pump it or suck it from the air box in through the filter into the carburetors, then it'd start burning it. Well, uh, I told them they hold two quarts. I said, don't put two quarts in. It's, it's one and three quarters. You know, if you change it, one and three quarters is all you put in it. Well, my brother heard one of them saying to the other, hand me another quart. And so uh, they put all this oil in and, and uh, it, it burned up. Uh, that oil burns real hot compared to, I, I, I think I told you I had autopsies done on the pistons. Yep. And uh, we, we had to borrow some Mexican gas that was old. <laughs> but anyway, uh, then uh, uh, it was about six months into 2005 where uh, I didn't have any help. And I, I was doing some GNCCs. Well, got word about Can-Am. You know, the big, the, their big machine was the 400. And they were coming up with this 800. And uh, it was called a, a 2006. And, and make a long story short, got hooked up with them. And uh, uh, I'm trying to think of them boys' names. Epic, Epic Racing. Yep. Uh, they, they had a, a real deal with Kawasaki. And they, they, they took the front drives out and stuff. So they were just two wheel drives and lots of travel. And we just had a uh, 800 and, and it, it ran good. And uh, the, uh, they had two, two or three of them and they only went like 280 miles or something. They had problems and, and couldn't finish. And uh, we, uh, we won. And that was a was a big deal for for uh, us, you know, the first year on the Can Am, and we won. And uh, it was a fun machine, real fun. And uh, it, it ran good. But later on, with, who, with who, other who ones, was on that team with you, uh, Mike Swift. Uh huh. I've got the names of every Baja person I can think of here. We can read over them in a minute. Uh, anyway, there were, there's a few of us. Uh, it was uh, Mike Rogers. He's from Florida and he's a, you don't like him, but he's an unbelievable whoop rider. And he he comes down and and rides the whoops for me. He's, he's done it two or three times. And uh, he he's come. We've been there. And he's come late, and I didn't and rode his section and get done and go home. And I never seen him, you know. But uh, it it was him and uh, Rob Ransford. Uh, oh, David Bailey. Absolutely, David Bailey. He was on it. Uh, that's that's going to be probably about it. But uh, I, I, later on, I got to tell you, the, the Lord blessed me with some machines. My Baja eight hundred 
Outlander runs over a hundred miles an hour, like 102, 103. Wow. And uh, it's, it's probably the fastest four-wheel drive there is and everybody will argue with you but that's okay uh i've got your word for it and i'm not going to argue with you no no i I know people people listening if we get the right people they'll they'll argue but there's as fast as but i'm going to tell you how fast my machine is once we got up around 85 and above you could take the handlebars and whip them and it wouldn't steer (laughs) <laughs> now, now if you if you just cut the handlebars a little bit and a bit it would start turning but if you just whip them back and forth it wouldn't and what happened is the front end was so light that it wasn't making traction so i put i think it was six holes about that big i don't know how to say it in front of your knees behind the mm-hmm. tires you know in the fenders that way it would steer and uh, I don't, I don't like to put a lot of miles on a race bike before Baja, but I like to normally put about a hundred on it. And uh, so I'm going across a, a dry lake, and and it's only running 88 miles an hour or something. And I said, I've I've heard it, you know, I backsided a piston or you know so I did something to it. And I was thinking and looking, and and it was a two wheel drive. Lenny, I reached over and clicked it into four. And I'm, I'm not trying to say jerk my arms, but I could feel my arms stretching because the back tires were slipping. That's not fish tailing sideways and stuff, but it, they're slipping. And when I clicked it in a four-wheel drive, the front started pulling. And it, it, on the dirt, it won't run over 100. It won't, it won't do it. It'll only do it on pavement. But it'll, it'll run in the high 90s. And, uh, That's incredible. That's that, incredible. It's, it's really fast for a four-wheel drive for an 800-pound machine. Did you do motor mods to that, or did you run them stock? Yeah. Just I, I, I use stock pistons. I've got my cams in it. Uh, the One of the big things is Can-Am uh, has hot rod computers for me. Yeah, They yeah. give you some different fuel mapping and some ignition yeah. mapping. Yeah. The, my Baja machine... Uh, how do I want to say this? The it does. It's different than than a regular machine in that that uh, if I remember right, my Baja machine wherever you put the throttle, it gets that amount of gas. Where where a regular machine, it it it. It's not exhaust gas. It, it's I've, I if I'd have thought I'd have wrote this stuff down, but it it is it it gets gas as it needs it. In my my Baja machine, it uses a different throttle body, and it's uh, instead of like a throttle position sensor or something, it's just wherever the throttle is. That's how much gas it gets. So. So right. if if you was could be at a real low speed, which you can't do because of the, the CVT, but if you open it up wide open, it's getting wide open gas, although the motor's only turning just a few RPMs. So, but uh, yeah, it works works well. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, the uh, 
And, and I Banshees. Go ahead. Uh, not to change this. No. You also rode that Can-Am in the woods, too. Not that one. But a Can-Am. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. For years. I was with Can-Am for 11 years. And, okay. and uh, that's, I, I rode the, the Outlanders in the woods. Yeah. Yeah, just. So you were there with them until 617? From 2006 to 2017? Yeah, but in 17, they weren't helping me. Okay. They stopped helping me in 16. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the, uh, the, the when that 800 Outlander came out, they changed the world. I, I told you, I, I think that the, 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 the 350 Wolverine changed the world. And then the, the, 650 Prairie changed the world. And then the Can-Am 800 changed the world. And ain't nothing else come out and changed it yet again. Well, uh, I wrote a Polaris. Um, please forgive me. I don't know uh, what, I don't know what it is exactly. It's giant. It's a huge quad, uh -huh. like 55 inches wide. Yeah. It's got all these bells and whistles on it. The thing's just, it's a thousand cc's, I'm assuming. It yeah. screams. It, yeah. I wrote it in the dunes when we were out doing a photo shoot with the dirt wheels. Uh -huh. and this is just a couple weeks ago. And that, I see the videos of these four-wheel drives with the lift kits and the big wheels on them doing all yeah. kinds of this swamping yeah. stuff. And yeah. I'm thinking, I'm riding this thing and I'm thinking, I get it. I could have one. I could ride one of these. I could yeah. do this because yeah. it's it's incredibly fun. They yeah. they're not. No, I'm not. I'm not talking about. You know, let's not go to the motocross track with it. No, 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 no. But yeah. if we're gonna go ride, and it's it's super comfortable. Yeah. You know, and and I'm not a huge Polaris fan. Don't get me wrong. You know. Yeah. But I uh, I hope one day, and I hope it's soon. You get to ride a, a thousand Outlander or a thousand Renegade. Uh, yeah. I, uh, yeah, if I ever get the opportunity, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not against it at all. No. Uh, because I think, I think for myself to do some of the things that, that we want to do in our life as we get older is more, don't laugh back there. I, 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 I hear, I see the, the smirk on your face. It's okay. We do. We are old, okay? We are old. You're not, but we are. That's right. Okay. I certainly feel old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, Wait. and uh, I, I, I raced uh, the, a uh, 600 Grizzly one time, and, and we had everybody covered in the Baja. We had everybody covered. It had such a lead that was unreal. And it was going to Cabo. And we got to La Paz and it quit. You know, the piston came up one time, it fired. Next time piston came up, it didn't fire. And and uh we were waiting and I fell asleep. What what happened is the CDI went out. And Yamaha found out about it. They wanted that CDI back in Japan. 
Yeah, because they want to know what happened. Yeah, they, that that it's just not an issue normally. CDI is going out. They wanted that thing back. But I, I wanted to tell you something. We raced Banshees, uh, the great outdoor store. It helped. And not that more than helped. Uh, but the Banshee, that was, uh, I guess, uh, the one year was the Baja 2000, which was the Wait, year. The Banshee that year? I think so, because we had 44 spares. Tires. Tires. Oh my okay. god. And and if you remember, the Banshee has one bolt pattern in the front and then a right. different one in the rear. Yep. And and but in in 91 they changed in 89 and before the they had the same bolt pattern front and rear. Right. And and I I I I had some rears with this bolt pattern, some rears with that bolt pattern. So I took a hub. And I narrowed a little bit, you know, machined it where the splines are at. And I took that thing and put it on the axle backwards. Okay. And then I put the other hub, the, the 91 and up hub, and put the big nut on. Because if I ever got to where I was somewhere, I did it on both sides. If I ever got somewhere where I didn't have a rear spare, with with the small bolt pattern, just had the big one. I just had to take the the big nut off the axle nut, and and change the hubs. That's pretty put smart. Put that one hub, and that way you can at least get somewhere. Yeah, yeah, because that way it was always with us, and we didn't have to keep it in a tool sack or on your in your backpack or something. It was right. it was on the machine, and uh, didn't have to you know here take this with you. You know the, a wheel hub. Uh, and we shaved the front tires, but 12s weren't big then, the 11s were. So we had 11-inch tires front and rear, and the front ones, I shaved them. Not not like a mohawk, but but I shaved them down because you just, you know, it's a banshee. You ain't got no traction in the front anyway, except to turn or need traction. And right. uh, I saved weight, unsprung weight and weight. And uh, that's... I'm, I'm proud of myself for that stuff, but this is what I did. And then I'm really proud of this. I changed it to oil injection. Now, you know, everybody's, you know, they come in my shop years ago and they'd say, they'd have some two stroke with an oil pump. Why don't you take that oil pump off? Why is that? It might break. I said, yeah, it might break. I said, that truck you're driving, how many miles on it? 200,000? I said, is that oil pump ever broke? No. And and I would talk them into not taking the wool pumps off unless they just had to have them off. But what it what it was with with that, you know, the uh, when when you're mixing gas and oil, you've got to be able to run, you know, in the Mojave Desert with four fat ladies on it, you know, in, in 125 degrees. And you've also got to be able to run in Alaska where it's 40 below. And, and so that the, the oil is either going to be too much or not enough. Uh, and you've always got to have it too much because if you haven't got enough, you burn up. So with the oil pump, you can adjust it all, you know, and, and uh, 
I had it for this because if, if, if we ran out of fuel, like I said before, every Mexican's got a, a milk jug of gas in, in the, the back of their car, in the trunk of their car. They got a liter of oil. So we could take and bum their gas and didn't have to worry about oil in it because it was in the tank. I had a gallon. Uh, it was a Honda lawnmower motor gallon tank mounted to the right front fender, you know, behind <laughs> it. Uh, it, uh, it. It works superb, just with flawless. There's, there's no flaw in it. And uh, yeah, that, uh, well, it's, you know, necessity is the mother of an invention. And oh, yeah. I thought that we needed that. So that's what I did. That's pretty cool. Let's uh, let's get into 2007. Okay. I think this is a special time, uh, a special conversation that needs to be had. That needs to uh -huh. be, be had. Um, you mentioned it in our first episode, and, and uh -huh. um, maybe it's a little harder for me to talk about it than you, uh -huh. because I don't know enough about. Um, your son. Yeah. And, some days it's hard. And some days it's not so hard. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, and we, we put Hoyt on and I can't remember when the, the ball 1000 and, and I can't remember exactly where, but he came through El Crucero, the pit and he was rolling. Just, he was there quicker than we thought. And, uh, he's on a, on a, on a can am. And, uh, Normally for for GNCC racing, we don't have any racks or anything. Well, on 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 the the Baja machines, normally we have the front racks and got the some tools on it and the the, the satellite phone and stuff like that. And on the back, we've got uh, for a while we used the five and a half gallon aluminum tank, but then we we made it smaller. And uh, so we we watched Hoyt. My son come through. We ran down to the Bay of L.A. road and went up where, where the the course crosses. We waited there and waited there, and he didn't come. And uh, so we said he's done blowed through here. So Lenny, I can't remember, but we went. It was a long ways. It was the 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 riding was a couple hundred miles, and we went where the course intersected the highway again we waited there and waited there and he never came and never came and never came and we said well you know the bikes broke somewhere and then daylight comes and the weatherman like calls our you know i i can't remember what our number was but uh he called it and and uh said uh your riders uh been hurt and uh we we like talked and and they said how bad is it life threatening said yes life threatening injuries so we we go start heading north and uh, it was a good ways a few hours and he was at the hospital in Guerrero Negro so we got there and uh, his his leg his his right leg was. It was hurt really from the knee down, and he had some some bolts going through it, pin things, and some things 
down the side because what would happen when he'd pick his foot up, well, let me back up. When he wrecked, he was sliding down the course on his face, you know, kind of like Superman, but he's on the ground. And he, he can see the machine coming behind him. It's boom, boom, boom. And he said, this is going to hurt. Well, the rack hit his leg below his knee and crushed it. And uh, so when he would pick his foot up, his toes would point down, you know, laying on your back. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they took him there and they they did some stuff to kind of stabilize it. And, and he says, go get the bike and finish the race. Go get the bike and finish the race. You know, he wasn't concerned about him. And so we went to find it. Yeah, you know, we we told where he wrecked and we went and the machine's not there. And we're looking all around and some people had put it over a hill and hit it. And uh, one, of, one of the teammates finally, I don't know how long it was there, one of the teammates said, here it is. And uh, the, it didn't have any wheels and tires on it. It didn't have the, uh, the, it's not called a tracker. It's the, you know, I'm talking about the GPS. Yeah. Kind of like thing. And they, they had stole a few other things off of it. To, well, they stole the, the battery. They stole that stuff to keep us from stealing my bike back that they had stole. Yeah. And, uh, there's some Mexican boys there and they had a little, a little truck Toyota Datsun or whatever. And we loaded it in the back and took it and, and put it in the back of my truck and then we went, and, and my son, and uh, they said he's got to go to like La Paz and get operated on. And uh, the, what a lot of people don't know is most of the doctors, the orthopedic, orthopedic surgeons and stuff, they're trained in America. So, so we go to La Paz, and, and uh, as, as we're leaving Guerrero Negro, we have to pay money, cash, to get him out of the hospital. And they, they, the doctor said, if you'll bring some of these brackets and pins and stuff back, we'll give you some, you know, this much money. I said, okay. And so we, we take Hoyt down there, and uh, they, they wound up putting halos and stuff and, and pins and just lots of work. And... Uh, so they said, you got to give us a lot of money or you can't get him out of the hospital. I don't know if they're going to keep him or, or what. So I didn't have it, you know. So I called a buddy of mine in California and, and I tell him I need lots of money. And so I've got a Mexican friend uh, put him on an airplane to, to go to uh, – he, he went to Ansonada and then drove up to uh, TJ. And my friend from California went to TJ and they met and he gives him the money. And so he's going back to fly from, from Tijuana back down to La Paz. La Paz. And as he's going through the check-in, the, like the TSA, what are you going to call it? The, the metal detector goes off and they go, what's the deal? He said, nothing. Well, what had happened is that friend of mine, when he, when he gave him the money, 
he counted the money out in thousands and put a paper clips on. So the there's enough paper clips that it set the uh, the mm. metal detector off. So they're they're wanting to get the money. Uh, they say, you know, what are you you a drug dealer? I said no, no. And he tries to explain to them what's going on. And whether they believed it or not, I'm sure they didn't. But they wanted that money. They, they, them guards or whatever you want to call them, they was going to s- split that up. And and so they're back and forth and back and forth. And and uh, that friend of mine, the Mexican boy, he had worked for some big people. I mean, he's been shot at, uh, escorting his children. You know, the, they've been ambushed and shot and chased through towns in, in Mexico and, and uh in fact the one the one he, he moved over and the steering wheel a bullet hit the steering wheel and boogered it up <laughs> and uh uh the the he was driving and they had a, another I don't know if you want to call them bodyguards or what uh in the back sheltering the the one girl and the bullets were coming through and uh but never hit him. Well, anyway, so, and, and you know, the, the down in Mexico, when they have them, you pull up to the guard things and they, they check you out, mm-hmm. you know, yep. you don't have to stop. They, he's got a sticker on his windshield, they just go right through. So that person's born with a big auger. That's, that's yeah. a pretty heavy duty. Well, anyway, uh, he, he like, pulls out a business card, you know, of this person, yeah, pulls out a business card of another person. Yeah. Well, it's getting time. The plane's fixing to leave and they're wanting that money. And, uh, he finally mentions, pulls out a card, mentions somebody's name and they're, Oh, oh it's all a joke. We were just teasing, you know? Yeah. There's no hard feelings. There's, you know, <laughs> there's no trouble, no trouble. You just, you just go on and get on that plane. And, uh, that was a lot of money. I mean, a whole lots of money. And uh, so anyway, took the money down and, and gave it to them. And then uh, put my son and a friend uh, and the one, one, another one, one of the drove the van up to, to uh, Ensenada and, and my boy flew up there and I'm driving. We pick him up and, uh, and I take him across the border and, the uh, the one friend of mine, Doug, and my son, they got on a plane and flew back to Atlanta, and I drove back. And uh, so anyway, things are going pretty good. He's uh, his legs getting some better, and and uh, then all of the the healing kind of stopped, and and. They put us in touch with supposed to be the best, I don't know what to say, halo doctor in America, or he's an orthopedic surgeon. And them, you know what I'm talking about, halos. You see them on people's heads sometimes. Well, they got them for arms and legs and stuff. Yes. And uh, he uh, he decided that he only takes really bad stuff. He don't take, you know, somebody breaks their arm or their leg, he, he, don't, he don't take it. He takes bad stuff. And uh, what had happened is my son's leg, four inches of the bone, it died. The, the blood supply just wasn't adequate. So 
I'm talking to the doctor and he says, what we'll do, this is his right leg, the, the, the big bone, mm-hmm. I don't know, femur. And uh, he said, we'll take and cut four inches of it out. He said, we'll go over to the left leg, the bone in the back, uh, behind your femur. The, he said, we'll take four inches and cut it out of that and move it over. And, and I'm going, don't you kind of need that bone? And uh, he says, no, you don't. I said, then why did God put it there? <laughs> and, and, and he says, well, he says, it's got to be up so high where all your, your tendons and muscles and all that stuff connects. He said, it's got to be above that. And, and I said, I said, so, so your, your legs going to go, the bone's going to go up this size and then get down to that little one, four inches, then get big and go on up. He said, yeah. I, I said, that's got to be crazy. He said, that bone will grow to be the size of the big bone. I said, what? He said, that's the way the Lord's made our bodies. And uh, so it, it, worked, <laughs> it worked out the next year in Baja, uh, 2008. I take him to San Diego. Scribs or whatever that Scribs. and I take him there we meet and talk to the doctor and I drop my son off and I go down and race the Baja 1000 and come back and pick him up and uh, put him on a plane send him home and I, I drove home and uh, he had five halos on his leg and 17 I call them lag bolts you know going from them halo things into his leg bones where, where it was crushed and stuff. And he had one wire, the one millimeter wire, that went from one side of his ankle to the other through, through the whole foot and ankle, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, that was, it was good. He, he's, he's healing good. Well, the doctor told us, said that, so many percent is high, like about 90% of everybody that has this done, it's infections. He said, if you got a pet, it's 100% people get infections. And my son had a big dog, and he wouldn't get rid of it. He had infection after infection after infection, he even had Mercer, whatever way you say that. And uh, so that was, that was November of uh, eight. And and uh, in July 23rd of nine, he died. Uh, and it, it was uh, uh, pulmonary edema, some kind of infection or something. When, if we get pneumonia, we got snot in our lungs. Okay, pulmonary edema is like bubbles, little bitty bubbles, like smaller BBs. And they're like real thick. The, the housing and they're all together and and uh, you get that in your lungs and you they fill up with that and you 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 drown and uh, so that was nine two thousand it was July twenty third of nine and uh, wow that's what it is 
what it is. Uh, but uh, that's, that's yeah, we should that's quite the that's quite the event. Yeah, yeah. It, it the uh, the Can score I, people when they found out it just blew their minds. They didn't know. They didn't die. Can I ask some questions? Absolutely. Anything you want. What, uh, when he rode, because I know that he rode with you in 2007, prior to that, did he race? Yeah. Yeah. He was in the Marines. And and then, it, I hate to say this, but he, it, racing wasn't a big deal, deal to him until after he got out of the Marines. Okay. And then it was. And then we went to all the GNCCs together and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. When did he get out of the Marines? Is he he? Or, I thought it was before that, but whatever. Well, nine eleven was a one, and that's what made him enlist. Okay. And he did so, four years. Did he go overseas? No. No, he didn't enlist because he was the last of the, what do they call it, like the brothers laws or brothers rule or something like that. So he couldn't fight and do what he wanted to. So he just did the one term and then got out and started racing. Because he was the only son to carry on the name, so they wouldn't let him go. Whatever. But he uh, he was in Camp Pendleton for a good while. Okay. San Diego. Just down the street. Yeah. Well, it's a little more than down the street, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we know. We know. Uh, but yeah, the... Uh, he uh, he had a renegade, uh, can't even renegade, race that. So he, he started racing when he got out in 2005. So he started racing serious in six and, and, and seven with you. Probably five, part of five, six, seven. Yeah. Yeah. He, he lacked 11 days being 26 years old when he died. Yeah. Did, uh, how'd he do? Done good, real good. Yeah. He, he had he had a uh, a pretty tough class, real tough class, and and I remember he done good in a lot of them. He won Loretta Lens, and that's a that's a big deal. Yep. Loretta Lens is, is big. Yeah, he done lots, and, and uh, I, I got to tell you a story that was so good. It was, I guess, six. We uh, we had a bot team and and uh, him and and Jeremy Reach. We sent them down the country. They were mile seven hundred or whatever. And uh, the uh, 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 the there in San Ignacio, uh, a boy got on and and a he said a trophy truck hit him. And I'm coming hours away you know i'd rode some and was gonna go and uh so go to san ignacio and something very unusual they'd brought the machine back to san ignacio set out in the desert and uh the the one of the teammates had called me uh and and as we're traveling to san ignacio said the machine's just junk our race is over 
said, just come and get it and, and go back to America. The boy that was on it had been to the hospital and they thought his brain was leaking. So they were taking him back to America for right. more medical stuff. And that same feller had called Jeremy Reach down there and my, and my son Hoyt and uh, said, our race is over. Said, just come on back. And, and Jeremy said, let me let you talk to a penman and handed the phone to him. And uh, he told him the same thing, you know, the, the bike was junk and just come on back. And, and this, is, this is a really proud moment for me. He said, we're gonna work my dad's plan. And uh, the, the machine was junk. Had no back, when, when, we, when we left, I, I wrote it, there's no back fenders on it. The, the extra fuel tank's gone. The, uh, it's got a, a front wheel and like two front wheels on the left side. And the exhaust had been bent over against the shock. And we had a, like a front shock on the rear. And we had bungee cords holding the, the where normally a gas tank is on most four-wheelers, but it's the airbox on a Can-Am. We had bungee cords holding that down. And it was, the bike, it cranked, it ran fine. But it it just it was it was rough shape. Well, anyway, I got on road, road that boy section, and then uh, I went down so far, and somebody else got it, and they they took it down, and my my son rode it, and Jeremy rode it, and then I got on and finished the race, and uh, we got second after all that. We had such a lead; it was unbelievable. Uh, and and oh yeah, they everybody wanted the or not everybody wanted to quit, but uh, we had hours lead, probably at least four, when when the bike got hurt. And uh, would you have had time with the bike where it was to get to it and repair it where it was and and still maintain your lead? Say if that again. Would you have had time to get to the machine if they would have stayed where they were? Would it have been uh, better if they stayed where it they were? Wouldn't, it, would, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have took any more time because they didn't have the parts. Right. And, and so they, they just left and left the machine. And I got there and me uh, and the boys that was in the truck with me and just started mechanicking and uh, did the best we could. Did you ask those guys to race, race with you again? There's very few race more than once. Uh, uh, yeah, Jeremy Reach, he did it a couple times. And, and uh, I've had one that done it three times. But most of the time, one doesn't. Uh, you have to ask them why. But uh, it's all... Are you trying to what, say you're what a tough we, boss? What's that? Are you trying to say you're a tough boss? No. No, not at all. It's hard to get people. If you get somebody, what we do is we pool our money. We take so many thousand dollars as a piece, like five and six thousand a piece, and we try to have six, five, and six people. And and so you pool your money. Well, you got to have somebody that's got the money, and then you got to have somebody that can ride, 
Yeah, and get off work long enough, and you got to have somebody that can mechanic. You know, and the ones like if you break one year and they don't get to ride, it costs the same amount of money whether you get to ride your segment or not. Yeah. And a lot of people get butt hurt about that and don't understand it, and it that's just how it is. Right. It's it's kind of like gambling. Well, me no. and you know that, but a, a lot of times people don't appreciate it when they spent that much money, that much time. Right. And and they don't get a return on their investment except the, the good time. You know, how many people have even been to Mexico, much less, you know, the Baja 1000? But yeah. Uh, you know what? It, it's if you're if you're going to invest the money and invest the time, um, and you don't get to finish, it's it's bitter, but it oh, makes yeah. you come back. That's why you well, go back, you know? I mean... You, yeah, some people don't. Some people don't. What I need to do next time I want to race Baja is call you, because you understand. <laughs> I just don't have any money. Yeah, okay. I can turn the wrench, but I don't have any money. Yeah. You know? I, I don't... I don't, uh, I don't look to do much riding in the future. You know, I mean, I'd like to play around a little bit. Yeah. Um, It'd be a side-by-side, I'm sure. No, I'm not. I'm not a side-by-side fan at all. Because you ain't done it enough. uh, No, I get car sick driving them. Driving them, I get car sick. Explain that one. I've had, I've had several members of my team, uh, four-wheelers even, and side-by-sides, when it's dark, they get sick. And I mean, throw up sick. Yeah, I don't mind the night. Riding at night, it doesn't ever bothers me. I like riding at night. Actually, I think I think night riding is actually more fun because there's less distractions. Yep. You get to focus on the light. You get to focus on where you're going. And and if your lights are good enough, you can go fast and, and oh, yeah. you're under control. Um, I raced in Pond de Vue. Yeah. And I rode on a on a team with a Yamaha and the lights uh-huh. were so bad that when you go down the backs in the in the there was no there were no light there wasn't inadequate lighting in the back portion of the course. Okay. So we're going down the straightaway and you 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 come out of this this right hand turn and you're going down the straightaway and there's a dog leg in the course where they have this big tractor tire. Well, you're seeing bits and pieces the lights are so bad you're seeing bits and pieces but you're not catching what it is because you can't see it and all of a sudden there's an upside down four-wheeler on just on the edge of this racing line where somebody had hit that tire and destroyed their machine and you didn't see a body you didn't see anything going on and you, you you know you go back there for four or five six laps it's three minutes a lap so it took them quite a while to pick up the mess but three minutes lap. Those are quick laps. Um, three minutes. That's that's a long ways. I mean, with two hundred mile an hour straightaways, <laughs> it is. But I just I, I've never been there. I just but, figured you know that are ten or fifteen minute laps. But see, I didn't know that. Uh, I was I was gonna. Yeah, the the Lord's blessed us. Arguably, we've always had the best lights in our class. Right. Uh, just really good. What was I was going to tell you something about? While he's thinking, I will add that I have not thrown up 
riding with him. <laughs> she, she's raced. So, so, sir, let Four me. Four season pros have thrown up, but I have not. Let me ask you a question, Sarah. In all of the years with all the ATVs, did you ever race on the ATVs or has it only been in the UTVs? No. Um, had I been here, I might have, but I moved away with work when, when I was 18. So I didn't actually come back living here where I could actually go to the races and stuff with him until 2009 when Boyd died. So I kind of picked up on that later segment aside because others, you know, from the time we were little, you're always loading up the van and going to a race and everything like that. But, you know, you don't have a driver's license, much less race. Did, not to be personal, did, did, Hoyt passing bring you home um yes and that and that yep. uh, I'm assuming that's a good thing for you for me for okay I'll just say it was God had a unique way of fixing problems so yes it has ended up being a very good thing excellent so you worked Obviously, you you worked in Mexico. I mean, when you went down to Mexico to live, uh -huh. um, and you've worked in other places all over the country or all over the world. Country, country in Mexico. Yeah, I was actually in Mexico when uh, in two thousand nine when that happened when he died. In seven, when he got injured. No, I I was in Atlanta when he got injured. So I remember being there when he flew in, but I was in Mexico when he died. Oh, okay. Working. Yeah. Wow. And what portion of the racing has, have you gotten involved in uh, since you've been home? Well, the side-by-sides was really the first time I started actually racing with him because with those, you actually have to have a co-pilot. And there were like, the first race I was at was... In October, the Ironman in Crawfordsville. Yeah. And it was one of the first ones, I think, ever he was doing. And it was like, okay, who's going to ride with you? Who's gonna ride? And I was like, I'll do it. <laughs> and everybody else is like, what? I'm like, sure, why not? But I can say I would not trust anyone else to strap in and race with them. But I, I trust him. Did, did he ever let you drive? Oh, I mean, I could if I wanted to, but I'm smart enough to know that I, I want, I want to win, and he's taught me a lot, and I'm really good in a car, but I don't have the experience to, to do what needs to be done. Like we would go down to Durhamtown and we're testing, and we had this one jump, and we're like up in the air, and like we're coming down, and it's one of those like you know nose down, butt up, and it's like okay, we're gonna flip. And I mean, he just does this little thing with the throttle, whatever, and it just sits the butt down and the nose comes back up and you're just down. And it's like, that's why we don't flip like everyone else does. And I don't know those tricks. So I, I leave that part to, to the pros. All right. All right. I'm just so good at spotting things. You must be a pretty good co-driver. And, and you've done, you obviously, I, I seen a photo with you guys down together down in Mexico. You mm -hmm. co-drove. Or a UTV race in Mexico? No, I did not co-drive on that. I I was there just help 
rallying the, the people. And when you go and there's a team of people that have not ever been to Mexico, it's very easy for them to get distracted. So I, I'm kind of <laughs> corralling the distractions and making sure that it stays on point and chasing and getting things together and photos and social media and just honestly have, having fun with them. You know, a lot of times people are like, oh, you know, the one night people are like, oh, we, we want Italian food. Dad and I are like having this whole conversation, looking at each other like that's not happening. You know, and we're going out and, you know, we'll go and get the street food from, you know, the most delicious divine food you've ever had, the street carts and Ensenada. But why don't we just enjoy it? So it, it's always a good time. Anytime I can. I love street tacos. My wife makes some awesome street tacos. Oh, I mean, so like authentic. You think you're just got it out of the street cart. It's so sure. good. Oh man. I mean, some of the food she makes is just off the wall. And, and, and I was 30 pounds lighter when we got married, but <laughs> you know, it's not her fault that I, I can't push away from the table. Now, when I moved down there, that was like the first thing. I was like, I need somebody to teach me how to make real guacamole and shrimp ceviche. So you like ceviche? Uh-huh. We were doing so we were doing um 2009, the 1000 when it went to Cabo or mm-hmm. when it to what went to La Paz. Okay. And we're at um what's his name's the corner out in the middle of the desert. Coco's Corner. We're at Coco's Corner, and there's a guy pushing a cart selling ceviche. And one of my guys buys it and and eats it and wonders why six or eight hours later he's sick. You know, a push cart with ceviche in the middle of the desert? You've been to Coco's Corner, right? Yeah, I have. You know, Sarah, have you ever been there? let's just let's just put it this way it's remote (laughs) it's remote from from portocitos back to highway one i took two days in my truck and trailer two days i i had to go so slow my speedometer wouldn't read (laughs) <laughs> and, and well, even then, the uh, the uh, the it's got the big, huge tailgate, and the whole back was breaking off. And I can't think of that. There's a little a little settlement. I don't know, ten or twelve Americans live there, uh, and there's a restaurant across the road, and and the little has an airstrip. Malcolm Smith has a house there. Okay. Do you, can you think of the name of it? Nope. I can't right now. Well, anyway, there's a motel there, and, and they run with a generator part of the night. And so we, we got us a room, and uh, the, the, the trailer's in a bad way. And, and so uh, we go to bed and get up and uh, just milling around looking to get something to eat before we leave. And my brother, a few years ago, had loaned somebody a helmet uh, at the tech inspection. 
and it was a custom painted helmet. It was really nice. And uh, he, he needed a helmet. And so Morris lent him the, the helmet and says, I want it back. And the man says, if I have to fly it to you back in Georgia, you'll get this helmet back. And uh, he's a pilot. And, and that man has a house there. We didn't know it. He's seen and, and, you know, just so proud to see us and everything talking and said something, I said something about the trailer. He says, you know, looks at it, he said, I can weld it. And there's no power there. He's got a, a three car garage and it's nothing but batteries in the floor. And he's got uh, solar deals. Right. And charging these batteries. It is, his welder, you know, 120 volt or 240, maybe, uh, it's, it's works with batteries. That's all. Awesome. Welded our trailer. Yeah, yeah. It's, so he fixed the trailer. He fixed the trailer, and 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 did you get the helmet back? Oh yeah. Yeah, that got that back a couple of years before. I mean, it was just right after. And it's the same guy. Same, same. I love that. About that's the thing about Baja Mexico is like they're all intertwined. Yeah. yeah no, it is. Them. It is. Yeah. The the Mexican people have to help each other because I've been going along, and literally, when I first went, it wasn't unusual for filling stations to be 200 miles apart when you're going to Cabo, you know, 200 miles. And, and I was told you never pass the gas station because even though, you know, that one's only a hundred miles where you get there, they ain't got no gas. They haven't had any in a week. It's going to be two more weeks before they get any. So uh, <laughs> the first, first year we went, uh, we went to La Paz in 95 and we're coming back and we just leave. And uh, my brother's van's worse than a gas hog. It's like six miles a gallon. And so we go and we take the 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 gas. What are you smiling about? It ain't funny. It's totally funny. <laughs> we have to take the, <laughs> we have to take the gas jugs the, the the for the race bike and pour them in the van. And we, we go a little further. And what else was it? We we had some. Oh, we drained it out of the bikes. And we had some extra machines. And then we put it in the van. And, and now we're running out again. And, and my brother had uh, the white gas lamp, lanterns, you know, or uh -huh. lamps and the cooking, the cooking things. So we drained the white gas out of them and put it in the van. And then by then we got to uh, Insurgentes, something. I don't know here. how to say it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, we got there and finally the station was open. We we tried to never let that happen. My big truck, it it goes over a thousand miles on fill-up, so it's it's not as important. But uh, yeah, holds one hundred and fifty gallons. So I'm yeah, real it's, bad at it's not. I'm real bad at names of the towns. They oh, all yeah. picked out landmarks for me. And and my pits uh -huh. were landmarks. So you're going to this deal, 
you're going to this one, you're going to this one. And I could drive to those landmarks. Yeah. No problem. There you go. And, and, yeah. and we'd be having a conversation about being somewhere and they go, you were there. And I go, I've never been there. And they go, yeah, yeah this landmark. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Dude, we've been there like 10 times. No problem. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, and, and I still to this day can't tell you all the places I've been yeah. until you point saying. out a, a landmark for me or a pit. Yep. Um, I called, I, I was down the river racing the thousand and I called home uh, because I got a missed call of uh, something about work during the race, you know, and, and, and I called home and I go, where are you? And I go, we're in a town and, and I have no idea what the name of it is. And I have no idea how far down we are. And I have no idea where the bike is. So yeah. what's your question? <laughs> yeah. Next. Yeah. 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 Uh, we was there one year pre-running and they'd had these unbelievable storms just and, and they were taking motorcycles, the Mexican people, and and it was, I can show you on the map, but they were having to put motorcycles in boats, I guess little John boats or something, and, and they would take them and set them out and take them, set, and, and the, 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 the uh, trophy trucks and the dune buggies and stuff, they, I guess they would just have to go to the highway and, and go, well, anyway, when it came race day, I'm race and I'm there, you know, it's three o'clock in the morning. And I get there, ah, Lenny, there's just dead dune buggies and dead trophy trucks, dead motorcycles and dead four-wheelers, and they're they're just everywhere. And and I'm looking, and uh I, the the water is up to about your knees, and I'm figuring how to get to wherever I'm going over there. And uh, I came, I pull up beside a dune buggy and it's a like a four cylinder Volkswagen powered one. And it's running on two, it's boom, 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 boom. And I holler at him, I said, where's the course? And he points. And I thought that's what it was. I just headed across and uh, I never made it. got in a big hole and drowned out, made it right across. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, Only Mike Penland, right? No, Only no, Mike no, no. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's just he thinks he comes in handy. Yeah, yeah there you it, go. <laughs> it's, it's, you people, you California people, you don't know what water is. No, I don't. <laughs> where no. where I live, where I'm from, it rains about a hundred inches a year. Where's that? Raven Gap. And top the top right hand corner of Georgia, no, most north and most most east county there is. Okay, we get water, and it's in the mountains, and we got we got branches and creeks and rivers and lakes and ponds, and it just and bugs, and and it's just so you know water. You're just used to it, and uh, the the so many of those people. They just don't know what to do. Yeah. Oh man, I, I, I that's the one thing I despise more than anything is is racing in the rain. Oh, I it's like it. Rain. I, it's not the I water. It. It's the I mud. prefer it. I know you do because you, dude. All you do is put a snorkel on and go ride. <laughs> hey, I'm like, I'm just thinking of the destruction of the machine in the mud. It's just ruining all my good race parts. 
Keep it up. I don't know about that. I, I want to tell you what I think part of it is with me. My mom's got a philosophy. She's pretty old now. Uh, she's got a philosophy, like when I was young, and my brother said, if the 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 boys is playing, when he gets done, he's going to need a bath, and his clothes need to be washed. Okay? If he gets real dirty, he needs a bath, and his clothes need washed. If he's playing in the mud puddles or creeks, he's going to need a bath, and his clothes need washed. You know, that it's it's the same. Now, right. I'm, and, and she didn't fuss about it. Now, if it's your Sunday clothes, that was different. <laughs> You're but, but, but when it came to, and, and and so many people like you are so concerned about the, the hurting of the stuff that it bothers you. But I prefer the mind. I like it. It's a, it's a great equalizer. You know, if, if someone's better than you and you can get them in the mud so often, they're yours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and we struggle with water set up so much because it's so dry that when we yeah. do have a wet race or a muddy race, um, yeah, you just, you just struggle to, uh, to survive, you know, well, we did a lot of one year we raced back East and I don't remember exactly what year it was. It was 95, 96 and it rained every race. What kind uh, of race? Motocross GNC. Oh, okay. GNC. Yeah. GNC. And, and, yeah. and just, I don't, I, no matter what we did, it rained. Yeah. I don't think that we made a dry race. I think at the last race of the year, uh, we're at Loretta Lynn's mm -hmm. at four o'clock every day. It just pours for 30 minutes. Yeah. And then stops. Yep. The humidity comes back and the oh. sun pops up and you're just like, Oh man, now we're cooking. Oh, like, yeah. It just stayed cloudy and, and, oh, yeah. And 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 left the, the rain away. Uh, I mean, it, it was unbelievable. I yeah. mean, I, I just that's one thing I don't miss, but I do miss yeah. all at the same time. Yeah. You just gotta learn it. I mean, when, when I went to the desert, I'd never seen the desert before. Go to Baja, you're just looking. Well, this is different. You just <laughs> well, you, just you, have live, to do it. you live in the green where there's yeah. water, and yeah. when you go there, everything's brown and there ain't no water. There ain't none. There ain't none. Uh, yeah, the, um, let, let me look at these notes a little here. Uh, the, uh, I told you about that. I, I TT raced at, at Loretta's one year, and uh, it was over 100 degrees. And I believe it was so hot you couldn't work on the bike. And so me and my brother would go to the motel room loosen the handlebars, put them down, turn the bike up on its side, take it to the motel room and work on it. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, it, I, I was, I was riding good. The bike was working great. And, uh, pulled a whole shot in the, in the feature or the, whatever you want to call it. And, and I was winning and, and pulling away. And the second place boy going into a hairpin turn where the sign is, if you remember the, Big sign. Yep. He he just rolled off the back of his bike and it ghost rode it into me. Just oh. yeah. It was sickening. Uh did take it you didn't win that race. 
No, I think I got up and got it going and got four. Mm. I got a thing from from the AMA. I'd won I don't know how many national championships and they did nothing. I get fourth in that race and they send me a a little paper and you know a certificate thing and how right. proud they was of me. So, <laughs> That's anyway, uh, but uh, the uh, you're you're wanting to know stuff. Uh, the uh, the the six and ten hour races, a lot of fun, and uh, I told you about the throwing up. But that when it gets dark, but that I remember we was at the one race and it was a, I think I told you six hour race and uh, second place was pretty close behind, and my brother came up with a strategy. He said, told me what to do and and. We was always changing riders at the same time. So it came the last segment and uh, the, uh, they like came in and we, did, we didn't stop and change riders. I, I just rode the last part and see they'd lost time changing riders and, and I was a little bit faster than their fellow. So we won that one. Did, did your brother, you, you talk about your brother a lot. Yeah. What's his name? Morris. Morris Penland. Morris, Morris okay. Penland. And you and, and him spoke strategy quite a bit and, and did a lot of times together. He uh he raced the Baja several years with me. With okay. us. Yeah. Yeah. He 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 didn't want never want a big section, but he'd want a section and he'd do it. And uh he was he is where 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 you where you need somebody to change riders or whatever, he's there. You know, you know he's going to be there. And uh, I'm going to tell you something. I'm embarrassed to say this, but when when we would come to the road crossing to change riders or or just wave, the 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 truck or van, whatever we was driving, was always right there. And I said, man, he he's just always right. There. Well, I found out that that when he got there five hours before. You know, he's a mile away, and, and as he can, he keeps moving up, moving up, moving up. And, and normally when we come through, he's, he's the, the, the vehicles, the chase truck is right there. And, yeah, and, and he, he raced a bunch and just kind of stopped. Uh, How is he your older or younger brother? He's my younger brother. He's almost six years younger than me. Wow. Almost six. How many kids were there total? Just you and your brother? Just me and him. Just me and him. And uh, he's never been married, so he ain't got no youngins. Uh, what do we want to talk about? Uh, but, but yeah, he would, when, when we do them, uh, like 12-hour races, you know, you start in the daytime, and then you go, and it gets night and stuff. And, you know, he, he was there to pit us always. And, uh, I told you about ice racing, didn't I? You told me about ice racing. You're very fortunate to have a brother and and a and a a member of your your crew that was so focused and loyal to make sure that he got you there and got it done for you. One of the boys on the team said something. Said uh, Morris was saying, "I've got to get to you know whatever place," and and uh, 
the feller said, you know, it, it's not that big a deal because, you know, a lot of times you drive really, really fast in Baja. And uh, he, he, he said something. I can't remember what it was. And, and he said something like, to you, he's a rider. To me, he's my brother. So, right. you know, he, he, he was there. He would get, get there. As a guy that... As a guy that did a lot of chasing, and I only raced in Mexico one time, but my belief is the peop- the man on the bike or the woman or whoever it is yeah. on the machine at that given time is my responsibility. Yeah. And yes. I can't be there with them every step of the way, nope. but I had better be there when they come in so that I can get them what they need to do what they're going to do to perform yep. at their best. And, yep. and if they need, if they need something other than something to do with riding or something to do with the bike, I'm the guy that, that that's there. Yep. Uh, when I was in Dakar, um, we had a, we had, they had a bad day. And what the bad day was is they, they had trouble finding the CPs. Okay, and and it extended the day for every class. You yep. know, the motorcycle guys, you know, they get in it at one or two every day, and and you know they're just in. Well, they were getting in at three or four, so that meant everybody else is coming. Much right. the cars, you know, some of the cars didn't come in until the night, and and yeah. my guy, it took him twelve hours, and um you know, we got to the, the bivouac and, and we're, we're there and, and where we were parked, you could see, I could walk to the edge of the, the fence line and I could see the hill where they would, where they would come over. And I stood there, you know, I'd walk to the truck and I, I stayed at the truck and I could see a little and I walked to the fence line and, and I just kept standing, you know, when I knew he was when, about three o'clock, I knew, He's going to be here soon. I need to be ready. I need to be able to see him so that I can be prepared when he gets here to do what I have to do. Because the prep in Dakar, you're prepping for the Baja 500 every night, you know, same bike every day. And, um, and I stood in that field that day, the 12 hours that it took to get that guy there. And, and I wasn't in the car, but I was privy to what happened in the car mm-hmm. at, at a later date because the rider and I had a disagreement. And I guess one of the professional motorcycle guys that had gotten injured had witnessed this and told him, you're, you need to straighten out because you're not going to find another guy that's going to stand in the field and wait for you 12 hours and then work on your bike all night and yep. get up and do it again the next day. Yep. And the next day. And the, and next, the next day. day. Yeah. Well, I mean, that first car that I went to was 17 days. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was the most miserable time I had ever had, but the funnest time all at the same time. Yeah. 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 I'm sure of it. My brother asked me when I got back and I'm, I got, I'm healing my, my, the, the, the the scratches and the bruises and the, the, the other issues I had. I'm healing. And, you know, like the first week he asked me, are you going to go back? Hell no, I'm never going to do that again. And he asked me the next week and I go, yeah, yeah, we're already starting to plan the next, the, the next deal. Yeah. <laughs> and he just shook his head like, what is your problem? 
um, I just loved it. Uh, you know, I really just love to do the stuff, you know? Yeah. So I, I get your brother's passion and, and the fact that he always wants to be there, you know, and, and make sure that everything's okay. I, I yeah. want to ask you some different, some different questions. Um, are you done racing? Well, I hope not. If, listen, Lenny, if it wasn't for money, I'd do a lot of things. <laughs> we all would, wouldn't we? What uh, would it be, UTV or ATV? It'd be UTV, I'm sure. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind me asking, how old you? How old are you? Sixty-seven. Sixty-seven years old, and you still want to go race? Yeah. Do you want to yeah. do uh, endurance stuff, or do you want to do uh, Baja or or short course? I, well, I sure don't want to do no motocross. It'd well, be longer stuff. The longer, the better. Uh, I always like the, in Baja, I like the point-to-point races and the long ones better. Right. It just gives me more of an advantage, I think. Yeah, I think so, too, because you've proven that you can that you can withstand the test of time. Sarah, how do you feel about that? Him racing? Well, doing it again and doing it, you know. Wow. Keep doing you're it. Not, you're not worried about it at all. I'm more worried about him not racing. To be honest. I mean, it's just, it's who he is. It's it's what keeps him going. And if that's what keeps him going, then he needs to race forever because he's not going anywhere. I, I, I refuse to let that happen. So. I I understand I understand his desire. I'm a few years behind him. Um, my first race, so I was four years old and, and I've been hooked ever since. And I don't, I don't see an end to it in my life. And, um, I don't know if I'll race again due to some physical issues, but, um, I love it. I mean, they, the competition, the the people. I I think now as I get older, it's more the people. You know, the race. Ah, I've done that, but okay, yeah, let's go do it. You know, green flag drops. You go do your thing. You roll. You come back. You bring me the bike. I prep it. You know, and we go do it again the next day. Hey, great, no problem. Uh, but but you get to meet some of the finest people in my life. Yes, sir. Met at a racetrack. Yes, sir. And and I tell people. That, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a great husband. I'm not a great dad. I'm not a great mechanic. I'm not even a great racer, but I've done lots of it and won lots. And it's the one thing I've been able to do some. And I like it. I like it. A lot of fun. I think it's a lot of fun, too. Uh, let me ask you one other question. You know, where we're getting a deep dive in this. How does your wife feel about all this racing? <laughs> She, uh, next. next question. Uh, she, uh, back when I was racing lots, about every two years she'd go to a race, and okay. uh, she'd sit in the in the truck and read a book. So it's not a big deal to her. Uh, there's times she didn't like me doing it, but I'd always say I'm under contract. 
So she's kind of got you under the thumbnail right now because you don't have a contract. No, no. Uh, <laughs> I, went riding, I went riding Thursday, Friday, and Saturday last week. Yeah. Nice. Uh, with the, yeah. You just go out on the trails and ride? Up in Tennessee, you've heard of Wind Rock and, and ah, Royal Blue and Stinking Creek and all them. It's just, they got some riding. Many the, the the they're not hills, as in hills. There there'll be rocks in the rock swamp, the the, the rock small rocks are the size of a helmet, and they got big ones, and they got ledges. and And if I would have been in the lead when we got to some of them, I wouldn't have went up them. But you know, I back and other people in front of me, and I said, "Well, they can go. I probably can." And uh, it's worked so far. <laughs> they're steep and they're long and they're rocks and some of them are wet and uh you know you're you're going up so steep that it's just unbelievable and then it, it'll turn a little bit and all of a sudden there's a ledge you know two and a half feet high and it's straight up and uh it's gotta go. crazy i'm not gonna do that okay I'm gonna let you do that. I'm not gonna do that. Well, there's there's people that uh that really relish it, and uh, I enjoy it, but I don't relish it. <laughs> uh, no, those people are a little crazy to me, if you ask me. That, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. Of course, they probably think going to Mexico and going wide open is, but you know, I would have to say back in 2000 and. Uh, two or three, I think it's two, might be three, I don't remember, um, going across the desert on a 660 Raptor in high gear, Yeah, giving it uh, all there is. Yep. I think that was the most peaceful time I've ever had in my whole life. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, all you hear is the whistle in your helmet. The exhaust note's there. But at that speed, the exhaust note's not as, yeah, it's not as as, as bad because you, you know, that 660 would go 100 miles an hour. Yeah. And all you hear is that little whistle in your ear and the bike's just floating across the, the road and the trail. Um, you know, and I'm looking at, almost, almost got myself in trouble because I'm looking at the walls of the mountain because I'm in a valley and it's after it rained. And oh, there wow. are there are wet spots out there. Yes, sir. Missed it all, and it's got the greenery starting to grow. And this is out uh -huh. in the, of the desert. Yep. No. And yep. and it, it, most of the time it was in October, so you were just starting oh. to get into the the cooler time. And yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I just I get what you're telling me with all of this stuff. It's just different pieces for me set it up. Yeah. Uh, I've been to Baja, I've raced 19 1000s. Right. And uh, Chuck's Lenny, at least 10 of them, when I've been in California, it's rained. Now, the people are fussing and cussing about the rain in California, and we have dew that's heavier than your rain. <laughs> but, but, I'm serious. I'm serious. And, uh, 
but but I've 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 done the the one thousand one time. The first five hundred miles, there wasn't no dust because it had rained that like the day before, and and you'd go over all the whoops and mud puddles, and it was really nice. And and in the desert, when it rains, the next day or two, boom, there's all these flowers are blooming and everything's not everything, of course, it's green, but yep. everything that is green is real green. Yep. And then just a couple of days later, it's all gone. But yep. It's crazy. Till then, it's, it's just really nice. That's and, awesome. Uh, I like it. Mike, sure. Sarah, I would like to thank you so much for th- this has probably been more enjoyable for me than I think you, because I, I just have enjoyed these stories so much. Um, I don't know when we can do it again, but I know that I want to get you back on again and talk with you. Let me know. Sarah, I'm going to be reaching out to you to talk to you about the setup for the the new series and some, some little videos that I'll need from, from you and, and Mike. Um, and I'll just give you a couple days or a week or so notice when I need it. And, uh, we'll get him, we'll get this series done and, and get it posted and, and, um, be reaching out. Um, uh, I think that we're going to work on some mobile stuff. Um, I, I talked to Thomas Brown and I would like to go to Florida, which George is not that far from Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and possibly do some sit downs with multiple groups and talk about ATVs and, and the differences. So uh, I haven't ironed any of those details out, but that's definitely something that if, if I'm going to travel back there, I'd love to sit down with you guys and, and uh, have a face-to-face conversation mm-hmm. because I would really, I, I, I want to tell you this, Florida and Georgia bump one another, but we're, Absolutely, all the way to the other end. I'm three miles from North Carolina. That's okay. So you can, I, I'm you just telling you, it's a long place. You drove from Georgia to the tip of Baja and back. Oh, yeah. A couple hours to see me in Florida isn't going to be that big of a deal, is it? Okay. Uh, there's a couple things I want to mention. The, don't think for a second that it's me, this stuff. Uh, people, I've had so much help. And of course, the mains with the Lord, but I've been in catalogs and posters and, and magazines and magazine articles and uh, uh, ads companies would, would use me and the interviews. And uh, I, I got to always talk to people. Bad words. People like the, I think they're insecure and stuff and they cuss when they're, when they're talking on things like this and that, and there's just, there's no need for it ever. There's always somebody listening, whether it's a woman or a child. And if, if they're a man like me, I don't like hearing it and I'm not going to hear it. I'll, I'll walk away. Uh, I've had so much help and especially being just a fat ball hillbilly, the, the, the stuff that, that I've been blessed with, you know, and, and the Lord's work through people and companies. Uh, I, I want to tell people, if you mess up, own it. Be honest. Uh, me, I've, I've never been a flamboyant writer where, where all these people, well, the stuff I write, you know, but they, they're crossing up and they're 
doing wild things. Uh, it's too easy to wreck. You know, you 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 want to win. You don't want to just. People say, "Boy, he was looking good till he wrecked." You know, uh, he he was really flashy. Do you see? Do you see how he's all crossed up? No, you don't need that. Uh, but but uh, you, you always want to be friendly. Uh, as a Christian, you got to be. And as a hillbilly, your mom and dad would whoop you if you wasn't nice to people. And uh, we're not special. You know, none of us are special. We're special to. You know, I'm special to my mom. You know, my dad's gone, but uh, people got to be themselves. They 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 want to be themselves, and uh, um, yeah. It, it, as a Christian, I, I got saved when I was ten years old, so I've I've never been in a lot of that stuff. In uh, but racing's been good to me, but uh, not even close to what the Lord Jesus is. Uh, again, if you mess up on it. Don't say bad stuff. Children are listening. Be honest. Tell the truth. Be friendly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you just want to. You want to do right. Be yourself. Not. Don't try to be somebody else. Uh, uh, don't. If if you've got an idol, you know you look up to them. That's good. But you always got to be honest and truthful. And. Uh, Oh, Mike, it's a privilege for me to talk with you. Um, no more than me. I I'm honored. You. I'm honored that you came on the show with me. Glad to do it. Conversation and and Sarah, I understand why you're so proud. Uh, because, uh, well, you are biased and you are prejudiced, but I understand why. <laughs> He's a very fine man, and and you should be very proud to have a father that's a, a fine a man as him and. And uh, I, am. I really enjoyed your time with me and, and I'm a flawed human being and, and, and I try to be the best man I can be. And I, uh, I understand what our goals are and where we're trying to get, um, you know, some days I come up short, but I, oh, do yeah. I can't. So but with the Lord, there's the next day. Exactly. Better. But uh, yeah, I've enjoyed it. And it's, I'm thankful that you want to talk to somebody like me. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's. Like, wait a minute. Can we, can we clarify something here? Yeah. You are an icon in the GNCC world. And with the things that you've done in Baja and the people that you've touched, it's not uh, someone like you. It's people need to adhere to be like you. It's not about jumping 80 foot doubles. It's not about being uh, the, the flashiest guy. It's about being a quality human being. And that's why the series you're starting off for me is called Inspired. Because every racer, whether they're racing NASCAR or racing uh, whatever it is, it, you know, we're racing turtles in, in, in the backyard. We need to aspire to be better. Yeah. Yep. Someone's, I heard this years and years ago, and, and I believe it to be true. If you want to change the world, let's make better humans. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm trying to tell you is, is I'm evolving to try to be a better human. And I see you as a better human 
And I just want you to be proud of yourself and, and know that the industry knows who you are. And I'm hoping that everybody that listens to these episodes enjoys them as much as I do um, and listens to the stories and understands what kind of man you are and what kind of program you put together. And it's just a lot of fun to see a side of the ATV world that I was never a part of. Yeah. 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 I've enjoyed it every minute of it. I know that our four or five hours of talking on the podcast doesn't amount to the, the, the lifetime of memories you have in it but I've really enjoyed it. And Sarah, if you would get some information for me, uh, some of the, some of the things that he talked about as far as the posters and, and maybe some of the articles uh, so people can, can go back and find these, this information. And if you would, would send it to me, I would highly appreciate it. Absolutely. When it comes time to, to do this, I'll start posting more and more of it. Um, So, I really appreciate you too. It's getting late for you. I'm still coming down in my work day because I, when I'm done here, I have, while we were talking, uh, the phone was going off and I have a list of, of things that I have to do tonight. So get them done. I'm going to try. Thank you so much. And Thank I you. will be back in contact with you and, and Mike know this, that you're going to get the call to be on the show again. Uh, okay. Good. Whether it's inspired or Thank whether it's just as as Mike Penland, GNCC champion, uh, we'll work that out at the time. Whatever. Let me know. Thank you guys so much. Sarah, please, I appreciate you sitting in and being part of it. You work so hard. Thank you so much for wanting to include me. Well, I have to because the support system there, you know, you, you, you do a great job. And Yeah, he's kind of stuck with me. Good, good. Thank you guys so much. You have a great night. I'll be in touch. Please. All right. Take care. Please. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Teams. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.